Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, this evening, my co-host, Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how you doing? I am just peachy keen, thank you very much. Yeah? Yeah. Happy Daylight Savings Time. <laughs> I know, I know, and, and I was looking out at 5.30, and it was dark. Right, I'm thro- so thrown off by it all. Yeah, I know, I don't like it, but oh well. Oh, well, you'll get used to it. <laughs> And then once you get used to it, we flip back the other way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's only going to be like for four or five months, and then it's not even that. Because I think we, Uh, yeah, maybe three or four, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. I really don't. Anyway. (laughs) So how you been? I've been good. I'm still kind of getting over this crud that's been going around. I still really. Joe got sick on Friday, too. He's really, really sick. Yeah, it's awful. I don't know what's what's going around, and I don't know what it is. And and I was on an antibiotic for ten days, and I it does, I feel like the same, except I'm not as not as gross feeling, but right. I'm still all congested. So you were you like throwing up or anything like that? Because we thought he no. had food poisoning. No, 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 no throwing up. Now Mark was Mark had food poisoning on um, Thursday. So, yeah, yeah. yeah he's it been is. sick since Friday, so I feel you know I feel bad for the guy. He had to cancel all his work for the weekend, and it's just you know. Yeah, and not, it sucks. sucks. Being sick. It does suck being sick. That is for sure. <laughs> it oh is my. for sure. So what else is going on? So, Tell me. Tell me not about much, it. Not much, really. Not Tell much, really, it. going God. on. Not much. No, well, on my no. end, it's kind of been the same, you know, just kind of. Just like, well, actually, no, actually, Halloween passed, so we 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 had our Halloween party. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Joe and I dressed up as Batman and Robin. <laughs> yes, I saw that. That was very silly. Yeah, so it was cute. Um, I don't know. Halloween's really changed since when I, I think when I was kids because, like, we were the, me and our neighbor next door were the only ones who. On the whole entire block, they were giving out candy. Oh, really? We're the only ones with our lights on. So these kids come, and, like, I understand some kids are, you know, you're older and you really shouldn't be trick-or-treating, but, you know, you're trick-or-treating still, and I can respect it if you have a costume on. Right. Well, we had two groups of kids who came who were a little too old to be trick-or-treating, and they were trick-or-treating without costumes. Well, those bastards. So, you know, I, I gave them candy. I tried to joke with them because I'm, I'm in my Robin costume when I'm answering the door. And I'm like, you know, happy Halloween or whatever, you know. And, like, they're just, like, staring at me with their, like, <laughs> school bags with their school bags on backwards on their chest. And they just lean over like they're, like, I don't know, like they're supposed to be, like, given this candy bar because they're here now. 
Like, it was just really rude. They didn't say trick-or-treat, so I put a sign up on the door that said, no costumes, no candy. Good for you. <laughs> so the next, so we had, like, only nine trick-or-treaters all night. The next group of people came. It was two younger kids, and they were, you know, dressed up, so I gave them, like, extra candy. Because we had you. all this candy, and we had nine trick-or-treaters. Yeah, because you put that sign out. Well, hey, I don't... Your house is going to be the one getting egged, you know. My neighbor next door put in empty wrappers in their candy bar, in their bags, because no. they were, like, rude. <laughs> That's awful. And the people around here are kind of rude. Yeah, yeah. There's no sense in that. No sense in that. No. Yeah. I'm I'm having Wi-Fi issues for some reason, and I don't know what the hell's going on, so... Yeah, I just had issues. My whole computer crashed right before we went live, so I was kind of worried about all that. But yeah. it seems to be fine now. Yeah, so I'm I'm hardwired in. So, oh, boy, what do I do? What do I do? What so do you do we, with the tech, um, when the technology doesn't work? Well, speaking of technology, you know, before we get into the whole, when other guest comes on, Chris comes on, and and we get into the whole HIV and all oh, that. Oh yeah, kind yeah. Of stuff. Uh-huh. I'm in search for a tablet, and, you know, I'm obviously, you know, everyone's pointing me to iPad. And, you know, I want your recommendation, because don't you have an iPad? I love my iPad. You do? Love like, my like, iPad. A lot of people are like, oh, I wish I would have, you know, looked more into it, because the iPad doesn't have Flash, and there's, you know, other one tablets that have Flash, and da 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 Like, I was kind of getting directed towards, like, Samsung Galaxy. Um, Mark. I don't know. Has, it's kind of just—it's up in the air. It's, I'm not even like guaranteed yeah. I'm getting one. I just kind of just been shopping it around in the area because Black Friday yeah. is coming up soon. And I've got it—I've got an iPad. Mark has a Zoom. He loves the Google Android stuff. So yeah, we're we're in a mixed household. Gotcha. <laughs> but I love my iPad. Love yeah, and there's people who swear by it. They're like, you have to get yeah. it. It's the only one. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be tied to, like, iTunes or anything like that. Because, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know, like, what you exactly need, like, what kind of an account you need to create or, I don't know, like, sir, I don't know how the service works with them. Is it, like, any kind of service or can you just, you can get Wi-Fi with some of them, I believe. Well, yeah, mine's got Wi-Fi. Um, and it also comes with a cell service if you want that. Right. So. Anyway. But, um yeah, I mean, but it's I I like it. I really like it. And people swear by them, but it's like kind of the hot thing. It's going to be what everybody's going after on Black yeah. Friday. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. And I go all out like Black Friday. Me and my sisters work <laughs> in line in Walmart at like eight o'clock on on Thanksgiving night. That's awesome. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. It's but crazy, but it's, it's cool because it's when we bond and it's what we do every year. And it's just kind of like a really cool tradition that we have to go and get coffee and wired up and Red Bull up all night, laying sitting in Walmart all night to get, uh, you know, one awesome gift, whether it be a flat screen TV or whatever. Those oh are the moments. Gosh. <laughs> Living for the moment. Living for the moment. <laughs> oh, my. So, um, what, what else is new with you? Any anything else? No, I mean, nothing. You, you were with uh, me last week when, um, oh God, I can't even think. Who? Daniel was on. Um, this was an yeah. awesome show. If anybody missed it, they can listen to it in the archives. Uh, it was incredible, like what he was talking about. Oh. And 
story like that. I just thought it was just great for people who may have missed it, you know. Because oh, it, it, his, it, I, I thought his story was so good, and just I cannot wait to um, to get back with him again in a few months. Yeah, I hope everything works out. All the all the plans that he has, I hope all that uh, works out. There was yeah, somebody I, I was to, um, Oh, I want to uh, send some love out to Dennis on Pause I am. Um, just, I just want to send him some love. He's going through an issue now, and I just want to send love to him. So love to Dennis. Love to Dennis. To love to Dennis. Mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> I'd give um, you really, Dennis, but um, you'd probably catch what I have. Well, and it's not well, the age. Before, before we have um, our, our guests come on, one of the things I do want to talk about, and it's actually I believe, going to be one of the hot topics we have coming up on Pause I Am, is uh, I saw the article actually on your page, Jeremy, about, the, um, about um, them wanting to test people, make it like a, a regular screening uh, teenager, 16 to 18 years old. Yep. Um, in certain areas where they're a very high risk. They want to make it like a routine, at, like when they go in for their physical every year, a part of it is, you know, the rapid HIV swab test. Absolutely. Now, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I'm all for it. Because I've got to tell you guys, you know, um, it, it, it's, it really boils down to this. Kids are having sex. So, you know what, we can't keep you know, brushing it aside and ignoring this stuff. And, you know what, abstinence works until it doesn't. And, and quite honestly, um, kids think that abstinence is having anal sex, Heteros- heterosexual right. kids. And, and they, or they think that they're still a virgin if they don't have vaginal penetration. It's, we have got to get, we, we've got to start getting kids, in, and when I mean kids, I mean when they become, um, start becoming um, more aware of their bodies and actually starting to understand what's going on with their bodies, they need to understand the whole gamut. It's not just, you know, don't, you know, don't get pregnant. It's, you know, there's also the clap out there, gonorrhea. There's, there's all these things out there, but we have got to start testing these kids for HIV. And and, it's, and and it doesn't start with the kids. It starts with the parents. And the parents have got to start, you know what, and I'm going to use the term man up. Put the big boy pants on and have these discussions with your kids. And, and don't fight the schools when they need to teach your kids about it. If you don't want your kids to know about something, hold them out of the class. You know what, that's your prerogative. Take them out of public school. But, but man... The kids need to understand and know what's going on. So, yeah, I, I think, I, I absolutely think that um, testing kids in their reg- regular physicals is, is definitely a start. And I think not just with kids, but I think it needs to be a routine test for everybody in, in every physical, period. If you are sexually active, um, it, it doesn't matter if you're in, and I'm using, you don't see me doing air quotes, but I'm doing air quotes. If you're not doing, <laughs> it, 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 it's, um, it's, it, it, screw the high risk thing. It's all about sexual behaviors. And, and, you know, whether or not you're having sex, or if you are having sex, you're at risk, period. End of discussion. End of discussion. If you're if you're um, engaging in 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 um, ID drugs, 
you know, intravenous drug use, you know what, get tested. You owe yourself and you owe your partners that. So there's my soapbox. No, I totally agree. And I um, I see our guests on the line, and Chris will bring you on in a second. Um, but I just want to touch a little bit on that before I forget. Um, <laughs> what I want to say about the whole subject is, uh, before the previous age group, it, it wasn't something that they test, you know, in their regular routine um, with their, their regular physical. And when this was posted on Facebook, I saw some people respond, like, this should be something that should be routine for everybody. Um, everybody's physical every year should be, you know, at least, you know, above the age of 13. Should, you should be have this included. It shouldn't be just in the high-risk areas or just people in this certain area. It should be on everyone's. And then what I question is, is the price of, Going through an HIV test and doing that, is it so expensive that they can't add, add this test onto it? Like, what is the reason they're not adding a, a normal swab on? The, it's not the cost. It, it's not the cost. What is it? It's, it's the issue of people actually facing, manning up and facing that their kids are having sex. No, but I, that, I understand that, that but like, why isn't the doctors just... Like, why isn't this a, a routine thing that's done? Just because you've doctor. got to get you've got to get past the the puritanical and and the provincial thinking around sex and HIV. Period. Hmm. That that that's what it is. That's it, it's what it boils down to. I agree. So let you me know, go ahead and, and yeah. So yeah, and, bring them on. And bring but, our, uh, <laughs> Bring Christopher on. Anyway. So uh, please help me welcome uh, Chris. Are you there? Yep. Thanks for being with us tonight. No problem. No How problem are you guys? at all. We're it's peachy, Chris. How are you? <laughs> doing good, good, good. I didn't know what I was doing. I called and it says like to talk to the host, and I push it, and then you guys are talking, and I didn't want to say nothing. <laughs> so I didn't want to mess anything up. Oh, you didn't mess a darn thing up. And if you did, we would we would berate you on air anyway. <laughs> so um, actually, I I've met Chris before. Chris is in my local area. Um, you know, we he lives in Bucks County. Um, and we actually I met you at a gay bingo up in uh, New yeah. Hope. Yeah. Now, do you volunteer at that that bingo a lot? I haven't been there in um, quite some bit of time. I. Um, financial issues. Uh, traveling up to New Hope all the time, being on disability, is just uh, I can't really afford to drive up there all the time. Um, but I was just at their walk that just happened in October second. So. Oh, cool. Okay, so let's um start. You know, um, back you know when you were diagnosed, you know, on September seventeenth, in two thousand eight. Tell me, um, you know. You were, you said you, in your bio, you say you only knew about the bad stuff or the negative things about HIV. When you went to high school and stuff like that, were you not, did they not have, like, a class on HIV or a day where they spoke about it? No, and like I had written in the bio, in high school it was only about, like, don't get pregnant and don't get chlamydia. Well, clearly I don't have to worry about getting pregnant. And uh, chlamydia I didn't Mm -hmm. really even, like, care anything about it. I was young and everything like that. But HIV was not a part of it. I don't think I'd learned anything in, I guess, sex education in high school about HIV and AIDS. I had no idea anything about it and just the negative things I had heard. And it, I just didn't know nothing about it. And that's why as soon as I found out, I thought I was, I thought I was going to die. Like, 
after my doctor had told me, I pulled over and just, like, cried on the side of the road after I left his office, obviously, because I had no idea what I was in store for. What well, made you get help? Uh, obviously, I had, uh, I guess you could say, I've been around the block and some more. Um, so I rarely use protection with anyone, and... In November 2007, I would say like every year I was getting tested, and then November 2007 I was negative. So a little less than a year later, I went and got tested again in September 2008, and uh, he brought me in like I would say like a week and a half later, and that's when he told me. So basically, I tried to get tested every year. It, I went a little earlier, and then obviously I was told that I was HIV positive. Well, at least it was something that you knew you had to go and, you know, get checked up every year. I mean, I didn't go every year. So, I mean, that's, you know, something that is good that you at least rent to keep up on it because a lot yeah. of people don't. You know, they'll go yep. once and then they won't go again because they're not in a serious relationship. And, then, you know, and then that's the reason why they, they may go and get tested because they're about to enter this relationship and they want to, you know. Yeah, and that's the one thing, like, I, I knew what I was doing, and that's why I took the proper precautions. But, like, when I walked in there, I didn't think anything, like, of HIV. I was just like, oh, I'm going to end up with, like, something that I can get rid of. And it turned out, of course, out of all of them, I got, like, the biggest one. And then it was just, I had no idea how to handle the situation. Wow. So at the time, were your accounts bad, or? My accounts initially were not that bad, um... I was at, uh, my viral load, I think, was at 32,000, and my CD4 was at, like, five in the 500s, which isn't, like, horrible. Um, and I would say about two months later, I went, and my viral load went from 32,000 to 140-some thousand, and it shot down to 320, um, my CD4. So that's when they started me on medication, and I started on a triplet, and exactly 10 days into me taking the triplet, I broke out in hives from head to toe. Like, when I went to the doctors, when I started noticing it, like, I covered my face, everything. I, literally, from head to toe, I had hives all over me. I was allergic to the cystiva, so they had to take me off of that and then put me on something else. That happens a lot. I know. I was horrible. I was. I, I just. I covered my face and everything. I walked in there like it was winter. Well, it kind of was. So. <laughs> so, um, so you you get the results. You didn't really want to hear the results, but what did you do at at that point when when you when you feel that you know the surprise, the shock? What did you do after that came after you got past all that? When he initially, and when I had went back to him a couple of weeks later, he had told me that I had handled it so well, and then that's when I was like, you should have seen me when I left here, because I was just so stunned, and I was uh, this. I went to my primary doctor. I didn't go any, to anywhere else. Like I did in November, I went to Planned Parenthood. But I went to my primary because I was very comfortable with him, just in case anything had came up because of what I was doing to myself as far as being an escort and using drugs and everything like that. Um, so I felt comfortable with him, and he told me, and he said I like handled it really well. And once I left the office, after he gave me all the information, I went to um, the Department of Health um, where uh, um, this lady, Kim Thomas, she works at. And um, 
he he gave me the information to go there, and that's where I began to start going to family services also. But um, after I left there, I had to pull over on the side of the road because I lost it. I had no idea what I was going to do with myself. Again, um, did you know anybody with HIV before? No, I didn't. I don't think I knew one person. At least, uh, obviously, I did know someone with it, but they did not tell me. Um, but I've never met anybody who was HIV positive before. I never was involved in anything that I'm involved in now. So I had, I had no idea what I was dealing with. And once I left the office, and a lot of it is because of what was going on in my personal life with family and everything like that. It, I didn't know who to go to, and the first person I called was my best friend at the time, and she was there for me through thick and thin, and um, it basically I lost it to begin with. I had no idea what to do with myself and how to handle the situation and who to go to and who to talk to, and once I started going to Kim Thomas at the Department of Health and everything like that, she helped me through everything and then set me up with my case management, and then that's where everything started going forth and me understanding more. And for me to understand more about HIV and AIDS, I went to ACO and got certified as an HIV prevention educator. So one, I have the education for myself, and two, to be able to educate others on uh, about HIV and AIDS. Wow. Wow. So um, I had a question. It went right out of my head again. Um, <laughs> I know. I can talk. I, I, oh, I can no, talk. no, I can no. go no. on and on and on. <laughs> okay, then keep going. Keep going. And then what happened? <laughs> so so you, I, I kind of want to back up a little bit. Oh, yeah. And, definitely. And, hold forward. And, and back up just to – because I, I want <laughs> – you know our listeners to understand that you were putting yourself into some into some serious situations. Yes. Um, with with drug use and and hustling and escorting. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say hustling. That's very different. Well, it, it could be right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you're a paid escort. You're doing drugs, and it, there was never a time when you were when you were putting yourself into these situations that you said that you would stop and think and, and went, hmm, maybe I'm doing something else to my body that I should go get checked out. Mm, uh, at the time that I was doing these things, I really didn't care. But yep. once, like, I started getting myself back together, and that's when I, like, a little while before, I've obviously been clean for years now, but it took me a little while to realize and then start getting clean off of everything else, getting on uh, medications to keep me off of the, the drugs. Um, and then I started to begin to, to realize reality, and then I needed to get my stuff together. Um, so once I was clean and stuff, and then I realized I started that I needed to get off of all the drugs, and then I realized that what I was doing, having sex for money and doing drugs and having sex with people on my own time also and not using protection, it it just, it was about that time. So, again, I did get tested every year. I, I, they do recommend like six months to a year or so, but um, that's why I went a little bit clean? early. Huh? How did you get clean? Uh, I, uh, me and my 
um, family members had some issues with some stuff, but after my dad had passed away and, and the way that he passed away and what he was doing with drugs also, it was basically a reality check for me and my mom to get our life together and basically uh, started taking Suboxone to get off of the uh, oxys I was taking. I see. I was just curious if you went to like a 12-step or something because that's what I did and it really helped me kind of, you know, get through because I kind of relate my recovery support to kind of how the HIV support needs to be. So I just didn't know if that was something that you were familiar with. No, I never really got involved in that. Basically, it was uh, I was replacing one with the other. Like the Suboxone is a non-opiate form, but I used that to get over cravings and everything like that. And I really cut out everyone in my life that uh, I ever associated with drug dealers, people who did drugs. I, I may not have no friends now, but I'm in a better place in my life. <laughs> Well, and because why I'm I'm going back to this because you're a young guy. You're what, 25? Yes. Okay. You were diagnosed at 22. Yeah. Okay. And when did you start? Um. When did you start? When did you start hooking? When did you start getting into drugs? I mean, you you had to have started high school just after. I had been doing drugs since I was in middle school, and I never had, like, that parental figures. Like, they were out doing their own thing, so I never had nobody to tell me, that no, this is wrong, don't do this, don't do that. It started with little things. I would smoke marijuana, and then it just led to other things, um, pills, mm-hmm. cocaine, all of that, and that really messed up my judgment, and I did a lot of bad things and then the escort thing came in because my ex was doing that and then that's when I discovered how much money I'd be making to support my habits and then after my father passed away that's when it was time to change myself okay so because I I think it's really what you're talking about is is heart wrenching I mean you've and I'm not going to, you know, use those cliche Oprah terms, but I, I, it's just you had a lot to deal with in a very in your very young life, in your very short young life. Yeah. So you 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 get through, and um, your your middle school, high school, 22 years old. You're you're an addict at that point. Mm-hmm. You're right. You get to you get to this 20, being 22 years old and in which which was just a few years ago <laughs> and um you're diagnosed mm-hmm. you're clean now what is it that you want people to know about you today um not to judge me on my past that's what i get a lot of right now and even Prior to being diagnosed, people made their assumptions about me anyway. But it's uh, don't judge a book by its cover, and don't judge me by my pace also. And that's where a lot of my problems come in now is, uh, as of right now, obviously I'm talking on the radio about my status and everything, and it doesn't bother me anymore. And at first it was initially a big problem, um, 
for me to come out as publicly as I have. But I've accepted the fact that I am, and there's nothing I can change about it. And I just I need people to see, to not judge me on who I was and what I used to do. Um, the escort thing, I was on a website and everything like that, so people knew what I was doing. And right. that's not me anymore. I'm not a drug addict anymore. I'm not an mm-hmm. escort anymore. So people still see me as that, and I'm, I obviously don't do that anymore. So it's it has been difficult at times, especially with people's comments and everything. But as of I'm right sure. now, I'm doing me. I'm getting my life together, and that's all I need to worry about. So, so you – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was just gonna find. Um, are you are you looking at also possibly going back to school or college or anything? Or um, I was going back to school. I was going to Bucks County um, Community College, and I was going for social services, and I wanted to directly work with people who were diagnosed with HIV and AIDS. Um, recently, this past semester, I had to withdraw. Um, my grandfather had taken a severe fall, and ended up they did a full body scan and he ended up with bladder cancer. So with me going to school full time and then everyone else in my house and like my mother and stuff, they, she's working. So I felt that it was my duty to take on the responsibility to take care of my grandfather. Um as far as taking him to uh he was transferred to a rehab and then when he came home he needed full time care. So someone needed to be home with him full-time, and I took on that responsibility. So I did withdraw from school. I do plan on going back, mm-hmm. um, but it's fine. I get help through financial aid, and they told me this semester that I would be unable to receive financial aid because I did not finish my full 12 credits, at least right. 12 credits. So I'm going to go back next semester, um, ultimately, and work on getting my um, – I'm gonna. I plan on transferring, but um, I would ultimately love to get my bachelor's in um, social services and work with people who are diagnosed with HIV and AIDS. And cool. I turned a positive into a positive. I basically <laughs> call it like I. I want to use my story to be able to help others, as I've always tried to do. Um, and my case manager, she's always called me like one of her best stories. Not best stories, but one of her. Um, trying to come up with that word. You're a success story. Yeah, because yeah. I literally, I would say by October 2008, I accepted the fact that I was HIV positive. I was going out to speaking engagements. I was doing a lot of work with fact, um, faith, uh, family services and everything like that. So mm-hmm. I was getting out and doing everything because it would not only benefit me speaking out to people, um, benefit them, but it was benefiting me getting my story out and being able to talk about it. And since I took the training with ACO, understanding more about it and not the negative things I've heard before. So it really helped me get through a lot of my ups and downs. Well, I think it's great that you were able to move that quickly into accepting your status because there's a lot of people who will probably listen to this now or will listen to this in the archives who are newly diagnosed and think that they're never going to get past that point where they don't care if people know. You know what I mean? Because it's so different for everybody, the journey and how they get from the point of being totally scared shitless to being confident and just being like, I don't give a shit anymore. Did you just use the brown word? Did you just use the brown word? Yeah, 
Robert, did you just use the brown uh, word on air? Yeah, I think I used, <laughs> I think I used the, the brown word. It's not nice. You know what I mean? I just think that is commendable that you're able to do that. And even even if, like, doing it on the radio now, you know, three years after you were diagnosed, it's, it's awesome because it, it took me five years to even admit it to myself. So I think that's yeah. commendable. So tell me about the work that you're doing now um, with with Fox, Fox County. Uh, well, I have been with Fox since January 2009 or 10, 2010. 10. I don't even know what year it is right now, um, and I'm the youngest. Me- <laughs> I'm the youngest member to ever be appointed as a board member for Fact Bucks County, and um, they're basically dedicated to providing like financial assistance to um, people living with HIV and AIDS. Um, basically, we only work uh, with um, Bucks County, Hunterton, and Mercer counties in New Jersey, and Bucks County is obviously in Pennsylvania. Um, they let's say they need help um, paying for medications and getting to and from doctor's appointments, like transportation and everything. Um, We provide cash, like, uh, for their vehicles, let's say. Um, uh, What else is there? So anybody anybody who's HIV positive in the Bucks County can contact, you know, you you guys there and... Well, you basically go through your... You would basically go through, like, um, whatever organization you're with. Like, uh, me in particular, I've received help through them um, with a vehicle of mine. And that was my, that's my main transportation to and from, like, my appointments and everything. Um, And you would go through your case. uh, I would, I was with um, Family Services Association, and they would, um, my case manager would fill out a bunch of paperwork and they would send it to them and in fact would approve it and send you a check and your check you would then pay um for whatever you needed uh, like my, in my case I needed all new tires for my vehicle and I wouldn't be able to pay inspections so I'd have no way to get wherever I needed to be as far as doctor's appointments and everything so right. they had um funded me to funded for me to get new tires on my vehicle so I would be able to get to and from appointments and everything like that. Um, so they do, uh, they will, you have to go through an agency, your case manager or a social worker or so would apply for these, I guess you could call it like a grant, um, to be able to provide you with financial assistance to get your necessities from medications to transportation to rent and utilities and stuff. Especially, like, if you're on disability or something like me, I'm on disability, so I don't make tons of money. And uh, so, uh, sometimes when you're in dire need and you this is your last resort, and they will ultimately step in and help you out. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting, Dad. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, you guys do more than just that, too. You also are part of, like, the AIDS. Don't you guys, like, run the AIDS walk that's up there as well? Um, for the in the Bucks County AIDS Walk, um, it's normally at the New New Hope Solberry High School, um, in in New Hope Solberry, and um, it just passed this year on October second, um, and uh, hundreds of people come and they walk, and uh, it's to raise money. There's raffles and uh, T-shirts and everything, and that's that's that that one of, right. 
Fact puts that together. Yes. Fact okay. puts all that together, and then um, people come and raise money for the assistance for people living with HIV and AIDS. And also um, some of our programs, they uh, fund, uh, I'm like lost, at a loss for words right now. No, that's um, fine. I, I they provide, like, educational grants for local community organizations for, like, reducing the threat of HIV and AIDS. They'll, like, um, fund, like, schools to have a program to teach kids and uh, kids about HIV and AIDS and everything like that. So schools and local organizations will come and ask for grants and they'll, get, they'll ask for a certain amount and we'll provide a certain amount for them to fund their programs to uh, raise awareness or testing and stuff like that. Cool. Um, just real quick, I want to open up the phone line to let people know if you have a show here to – you have a show. If you have a question or a comment or would like to call the show, you can reach us at 347-215-9442, or you can put your question in the chat room. I do have a question coming out of the Podland chat room from uh, Michael Lee Howard. He would like to know, how do you approach the issues with sex and relationships now? Has your past or your diagnosis affected the way you handle dates and things now? With me, I have always found it easier to tell someone from day one, the beginning. Um, th that way there's – if I've come across some problems where I'll tell them and they are completely judgmental, don't know nothing, uneducated, and just walk away. And – it's always been easier for me to just say that and disclose it from day one because if they walk away, there's no, like, feelings there. Now, if you wait, like, six months, obviously you're not having sex with this person and everything. If you wait six months and tell them and six months later and they decide that they can't handle this and walk out of your life, then that's obviously going to be hard on you. So I have always right. found it necessary to disclose my status from day one um, as far as sexual situations, I I would say for until obviously now I'm in, I've been in a relationship for a year and a half now and he's negative and literally has been my knight in shining armor. Um, he understands everything, knows everything, and has been by my side through everything. Now prior to him, I was completely celibate for from probably September 2008. Then on, I don't think I was in any sexual relationship. Well, I know I wasn't in any sexual relationship from <laughs> from September 2008 till the day. Well, not the day. I wouldn't go that far, but until I started me and him being together, I told him from day one he was completely cool with it. So I've run into some issues with men not accepting it, but I've always found it easy to say it from day one. That way, there's no emotional or heartfelt issues going on when he, if they don't accept you, he or she doesn't accept it and they walk away and it won't hurt you as much. And that's how I found us get through those issues as far as disclosing it to others. So we talked a lot about, um, we, we kind of skirted a little bit around uh, your support network a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, let us in on that. I, I mean, you talked about you know your family helping you get get clean, yeah. somewhat. 
so tell us tell us about how they are how you are with them now uh my mom and my brother and obviously my partner they are my biggest support team um again uh like i said in my bio if it wasn't for them i wouldn't be where i am today um a lot of my problems with disclosing it to my family is in May 2007, my dad had committed suicide in front of my mom. Uh So it was a bit difficult at first to be able to disclose this to my mom and my brother about that because I wouldn't, not at the fact that they would shun me out and never speak to me or be angry with me, but at the fact that I wouldn't know how they would handle it, losing my father in such a dramatic way, drastic way. Um, But when I told them, they were great. Um, My mom cried like a little bit, but she said she would do anything to ensure that I would get whatever I needed. Um, She would sell her house to make sure I would get my medications. Like that's that's what she told me. And she told me she would stand by my side 1000% and she has stuck by her word and she has been to, like, every doctor's appointment of mine. Uh, she's the one sitting there like, oh, well, what about this? And she's always the one that's really involved. Like, she makes sure she gets down and dirty with them and does not let them just brush anything off. Um, and also with a lot of my speaking engagements I go out and do, my mom, they want to get a mother's perspective. So they always... Um, invite my mom along to get a mother's perspective like we did this huge panel on world um, national hiv testing day um she spoke on this panel in doylestown and at the missionary museum and they wanted to get her perspective it was me and her and a couple other people and ask questions and everything so it's always they always find it good to get a mother's perspective on having a son that's HIV positive. And so she has been one of my biggest supporters and has been involved with everything I do since, well, not day one, but two weeks after I had found out she had um, she had started getting involved in every single doctor's appointment and everything. Wow. So without my, without my support team, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that's why I always, like, stress to people that are newly diagnosed that I've met, like, Tell your family and stuff because they will be your biggest supporters. I have, I've never heard, well, I've heard of some people have had some issues disclosing it and everything, but anytime I, uh, with my story, I never had no problems with it. But if their family's not willing to be there, I am. So I've always found it that it would be your best bet to tell your family and uh, they would most of the time will accept you, I'm sure. So, yeah. No, that's true. That's one of the things that, um, you know, uh, we say a lot here is that, you know, the ones we love the most surprise us sometimes. And, yeah. you know, we, we think they're going to act one way and, and they yeah. act the other way. Have you had any um, friends who maybe uh, stop being your friend due to it? Or have you experienced any kind of negative from, like, a friend support? Well, A lot of people um, worry about that. I ha- I haven't had um, a lot of this. Uh, I've told a couple of my friends, and they have. A lot of them have been pretty great with it, and they understand. Like a lot of, um, obviously, with Fax AIDS Walk, I a lot of my friends come and volunteer that day, 
and they know everything about it. I did have an incident with, like I said, um, the first person I called was my ex-best friend, I guess you could say, and she had disclosed to a few people about it, and we are no longer friends. So it's sometimes it's like I find it easier. I would have disclosing to my family, I know they won't say nothing. I know I'm completely cool with that. I don't care who knows at this point in time, but mm-hmm. that's my decision to say something like that, and that's why we are no longer friends and will not be friends ever again, just because it was that's my job to disclose to people, not you to open your mouth and discuss it with people. So well, was, that was the one bad instance out of the ten friends I have, because I have none. <laughs> I, I, I will tell off. you. I, I will tell you this, Chris. Um, unfortunately, once you've given the information to somebody else, you don't have the control anymore over where that information goes. Yeah. So it's always, always, always so critical to really understand. And, and, and this is what I tell everybody um, about disclosure: is Find out and and ask yourself truly what it is that you need from this other person that you're getting ready to share this information with. Mm -hmm. And and if you know how this person's going to react, don't tell them. Yeah. Um, Well, that's the thing. Sometimes you don't know, right? Yeah, I uh, this was the person that I would have least expected this to had uh, have come from, and. I that was my best friend. We were friends for ten plus years. Like we had known each other since like the beginning of middle school. So we were close as can be, and it just I didn't expect it at all. But the people that yeah. are friends that I have now are completely accepting. They're obviously they go to my events with me. They volunteer and everything. So the ones that I did disclose, minus that one, have always been there for me through it all. And it's I couldn't ask for anything better. Cool, cool, very good. Um, it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. No, I was, I, was, something. I, I was getting ready to say something. I'm like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I'm having yeah, trouble um, talking this evening. Um, so you have, you know, you, you've, you've surrounded yourself with some really good people, such yeah. as your family and, and um, the select your, your few partner, friends I the, have. So, you know, select few. <laughs> so, so, what about have you given? I, and I know we talked about how, how you want to um, push this in to you know you want to really work with other HIV di- um, other HIV di- newly diagnosed folks and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But what about um, reaching out to um, recovering addicts? Okay. Who, I, well, I've never gotten involved in that. I, I obviously I've been clean for years and years and years yeah. now. It's just sometimes I find it just, uh, I don't know, me, I just try to, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I try to stay away from that subject. Like, I rarely ever do talk about me being a drug right. addict and all that other stuff just because it does take me back to those days. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not that person anymore, but it's sometimes it's just easier for me. To, obviously, I'll never forget, but to try to forget um, but right. I would definitely be open to doing things like that. I 
it's got me where I am today. I've made my mistakes, and I can't go back and change them, but I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't make those mistakes, and I don't regret my past one bit. Um, so We actually have a, um, a Pause and Sober group on uh, on the Pause AM network, and a lot of people on there um, you know, talk about how, share their experience of how they are, are getting clean or trying to stay clean um, while dealing with living with HIV. So, um, that may be something you may want to check out or, you know, somebody listening may want to go check out. Um, but I do want to just remind people we are down um, almost to the last 10 minutes of the show. If uh, you'd like to give us a call here, 347-215-9442, press the number 1, and we uh, will bring you on air. If you have a question, you can type it in the chat room either on the radio show page or on uh, the Pausan Network chat as well. So um, what, uh, what was I going to say to you? Shoot, it went right out of my head again. Um, what what do you think? Oh, we, we were talking about a topic before you came on. I'm not sure if you uh, were maybe listening uh, on hold um, about them going, they're trying to um, have teenagers who are 16 to 18 have it be kind of mandatory in uh, the high infection rate cities, I guess. The teenagers mm-hmm. who are 16 to 18 get routinely, like the routinely every yearly annual checkup include an HIV test. See, that's a, t- that's a tough decision, especially being 16 years old. But, uh, I, oh, goodness, I have no idea. I, I guess me, like I would have probably, if I would have really cared back when I was 16 years old, I probably would have been getting tested. Um, I, I guess to a certain extent I think it should be a, a, a mandatory type of thing. But then you're going to have, um, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I think uh, to a certain extent, I think it should be, uh, it would be a good thing, especially with well, how young kids, kids are getting diagnosed nowadays. Right. Or well, I mean, kids and, are having sex so young now. And, yeah, and the rise in STDs and all of that, it's just. But they're not having sex any younger than we did, I mean. <laughs> Mm, I, I, I was 13 years old, so I, uh, I I was 11 when I had my first experience. Uh, 11 years well. old. Yeah, I mean, kids kids will have sex and are having sex earlier, earlier, earlier. Oh, and now it's a lot with girls no, that young. They feel that if it's in the back door, they don't need to use a condom because they don't have to worry about getting pregnant and all that. And that exactly is a whole other door. Only. Yeah, we we were just actually talking about that earlier about um that they they think that there's no vaginal penetration mm-hmm. that they're still a virgin and that ab- that abstinence is, is still they they're still abstinent. But they're still having oral sex. They're still having anal sex. They're doing all mm-hmm. of these things. Get tested for crying out loud. And yeah, I yeah. It, it needs to be a um it absolutely needs to be a um uh, a mandatory test, uh, part of the battery of tests that everyone gets at every physical period. And, it's, and it's, it's starting out that early, it won't. They won't be. It won't be put off for so long that when you're 20 years old, you're going to get tested, and then you're already have an AIDS diagnosis. Right. It's, being tested at a young age, I, I think to a certain extent it is a good idea. Uh, I just, uh, I'm sure some parents are going to have a big, huge brawl about that. But I 
my personal view, I think it probably is a good idea, especially, and they're going to get education at the same time. They're probably going to talk to them about it, obviously, pre- and post-counseling. So, obviously, they're going to get educated on a lot more than they think that they know, that obviously that they're still virgins and that they don't have to worry about getting pregnant because they're having anal sex or something. So I think that, yeah, it would be a good idea as far as being mandatory because they're going to get that education they need also and it's early detection. Right, and one of the things coming out of the chat room from Stephen says, you know, mandatory testing would also kind of help get rid of stigma because it's something that, you know, is routinely done where so many people are stigmatized just, to go get tested. Yeah, and they won't go get you know, tested. Not even because, yeah. Yep. It, it, it's crazy. So I agree with Stephen uh, in the chat room there. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, how are you dealing, like, health-wise today? Like, how are your accounts now? Have they, you know, gone up, gone down since you've been diagnosed three years ago? Or, like, you know, the meds? Are you, are you on meds? Yeah, I'm on um, yeah, more to be on a Right. Uh, I remember you said you were on a triplet, so I, know, I forgot that you said that earlier. Yeah, yeah so I was taken off that right away. Um, uh, my cancer grid, I have been undetectable. My viral load has been undetectable for probably close to two years, give or take. Um, and my CD4 has fluctuated occasionally, obviously. I um, Right now I'm at... 640 for my CD4. Uh, I was at 7, 720, and it dropped a little bit. And a lot of that is uh, I'm a very stressful person. He feels that my stress is affecting my health and all that other stuff just with my daily life. Um, and I am actually due to go back to my infectious disease doctor this month, so I will find out my new counts then. But I have been undetectable for the last probably like two years plus. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, yeah. and my meds, I don't have no issues as far as like side effects with my medications or anything. No problems with them at all. Um, nothing at all. So it was kind of a good thing after the triplet incident. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> that's excellent. So, so let me. Um, we're we're winding down here. I think we're down to our last five minutes. What? And, and I want to ask, <clears throat> Chris, for people who are newly diagnosed, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them? Um, well, education. Um, as soon as I went. And as soon as I found out about ACOs, I'm sure many states offer programs that they can go get certifications, even testing and understand more, even go get a book and read about it. Uh, That was my biggest thing is once I knew what there was to know about it, the complete up-to-date everything that ACO gave me as far as information, that's what helped me through everything. That and my support team is, I didn't know everything that I know now, uh, and if I would have known what I know now back when I first got tested, I probably wouldn't have pulled over and cried my eyes out on the side of the road. Um, I feel that that education and me knowing what I know now is uh, really helped me through my things, and I know I'm not going to die. I'm, all the things, all the negative things I've heard, is, uh, I know as long as I take care of myself 
and take my medications, I know I'll be good. So I that education has been a big thing on me is learning as much as I can learn about HIV and AIDS. That's what's helped me a lot through everything as far as that and being able to help others. Fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree because jumping into that, you know, when you're newly diagnosed, you're so scared and definitely it is you need to educate yourself because it's, you know, in 2011 we're not dying, you know, when we're diagnosed with HIV or AIDS. So I think it's important that we get educated and learn that there's medicine out there because a lot of people don't even know. Because I didn't know nothing, and all the technical stuff that I learned, it helped me too. I mean, and and you were in 2008, so when you were diagnosed, so that was after Philadelphia was out. That was after Pedro was on TV. You know what I mean? Like, so it was like, this makes you, you know, people still need to be educated in the classroom when they're going somewhere because, and they need to be educated correctly by people who are their own peers. I think when you speak to somebody who is, close to your age, you kind of respect that a little bit more and you pay attention more than somebody yep. who's older than you preaching down to you. Well, that's why I've so. been to a school um, before and spoke um, on behalf of Southwest County, and I went to a school and spoke to kids, and they all had to have forms, consent forms signed and everything like that. And I had questions coming out left and right from everyone. Um, so uh, I obviously they're – I'm not trying to judge any schools, but obviously they're not, like, being taught enough. If they're asking me 5,000 questions on this, that, and this, and how you get it and stuff, clearly they're not getting educated on how you get it and what happens and everything like that. So I just feel education is the biggest thing with teens, adults, everything about HIV and AIDS is a big thing that needs to happen. Yeah, I totally, totally, totally agree with you, and it's not just the schools, but it's parents too. So, but that's a whole other show. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it definitely starts with the parents and the schools, and everybody has to educate. It's, it's yeah. just, uh, it's a pain in the ass. But we are winding down. So, Chris, I want to thank you for joining us and, and hanging out with us this hour. Um, it, it's great to finally have you come on after meeting you. Thank you. No problem. Anytime. And um, if people can find you. People can find you where Facebook. Yep. Uh, or they can find you on Pause I Am, right? Yeah. Yep, only Facebook, and no Twitter yet. Yeah, no Twitter. And they can find information in the FACT. What's FACT's website? FACTBucksCounty.org. There you go. And I'll put that in the chat room. So, Chris, thanks again for hanging out with us, man. Okay, no doubt. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Thanks, man. All righty then. What an awesome guy. And here we are. So, I, I mean, just to kind of wrap up just a little bit, can, it's amazing to me that um, this this 25-year-old kid has lived a very hard life and made some very hard life decisions at a very early age. And and so I I feel, I honestly feel that, if we had more intervention and more awareness given to kids earlier on, especially in middle school, um, probably not elementary, but definitely middle schools when it starts, and really bring it home. I, I, think, he, I think some of the decisions and hard decisions that you know, Chris made probably would not have been made 
had there been more um, more outreach intervention and awareness. No, I totally, totally, totally agree. Um, his story is very powerful, and, and to be such a young man, I hate to call him a kid, but 25 makes me feel old. Um, it, uh, it yeah, so now you know 25. how it feels. You now know how it feels, Robert. Welcome hey, to my world. Right, so um, remember, folks, you can find us here next weekend. Um, next weekend, next Sunday, we will be here um, with another guest, so you can join us here. More information on uh, Jeremy Don at PositivelySpeaking.com. More information on myself and the radio show at PauseIM.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you're at, we're at. Have a great night. Jeremy, I'll see you next Have week. Have a great evening. Ciao. Thanks. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the naked truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS.